0: This was a team I thought that our fan base could really get behind to be proud of. Welcome in to the Scarlet Shoot Around podcast, following the beat of Husker Basketball. Here are your hosts Blake and Mike. basketball's torrent stretch continues with a 73-55 to 55 victory at home over the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Hello, everybody, and welcome in again to the Scarlet Shootaround Podcast. My name is Blake, here with co-host Mike. And uh, before we get into the game, uh, Mike, I think you have some important details to share in the personal life here to our listeners on the pod. Yeah, you know, long-time long time listeners
1: would know in November I went uh, engagement ring shopping with my girlfriend. And I can happily say that... The ring arrived and now uh, sits on her finger, and I'm an engaged man, and I couldn't be happier. I'm uh, very lucky; got to spend the day with friends and families on, or friends and, but yeah, both of our families on on Saturday and and see everybody and just uh, have a little celebration. So, super super lucky guy. Happy she said yes. Obviously, uh, I'm excited for the rest of my life with her. Honestly.
0: And celebrate, we did closing down Barry's bar that night. Yeah. Obviously, a good time. Uh. We try not to talk about that because we don't remember much of it. But what I do remember is a curb stomping Nebraska win yet again. It even threw uh, Minnesota head coach Ben Johnson off. He had a quote to share in the post game presser.
1: You know, I just felt like for our guys, um, you know, it's the first time we've been here. And so I just told him that's what like desperation feels like. And we have to learn from that. You know, that's what a. Uh, a possessed team looks
0: like and feels like and you know we tried to try to warn our guys um this is a really good team ben johnson says that is what a possessed team looked like mike and it started with a possessed jawan gary going for 22 8 and 2 7 of 13 from the field and 4 of 7 from beyond the arc mike i think this is the best game in his husker career and if he makes threes he's an entirely different player
1: yeah, the way you could you could just see him, you know, stroking it, and he's confident. He hit a couple in transition, and when he's letting those fly, you know, he must be feeling real, real good. The thing that stood out to me four for four from the free throw line. You know, in the last um, game, I think he struggled for a bit from the line, but he came out and proved, you know, this game he went four for four from the line. So that's that's another big improvement there. The Huskers as a team, you know, shot eighty four percent from the free throw line. I always love to see that. But yeah, Jawan Gary, we talk about what he brings on the defensive end. But you're you're spot on. If he's hitting threes, that I don't know what you do to, to stop the guy. Because if you're closing out, he's he's liable to drive by you and get to the hoop and draw a foul. But if if he's hitting the threes, you have to close out on him. So real real tough matchup when he's when he's knocking him down.
0: Bryce Williams as well has a nice game going for 15-8-1, going 4-9 of nine from the field and hitting two of his five three-point attempts. Another really nice rebounding effort there from Bryce Williams, Mike, and he's really starting to succeed in his point guard role, and he had a quote to share regarding the distribution of scoring on the team. I
1: just like seeing my boys go off. Um, it doesn't really matter whose night it is, whether it's k Rink, me, um, Juan, or if it's CJ or anybody down the line. I just want everybody to you know, go crazy and have that moment. And today was Juan's day and he was having moments and I was just happy for him. And I was happy to be a part of it. And I just like playing like that. It's just the energy, energy, just contagious. And I'd rather just play like that than not have any at all.
0: So William speaking to maybe a point guard mentality in the role that he's taken over with this team, Mike, and he raises a great point. I mean, it can be anybody's night on any given night with this Husker squad.
1: It really can. I think, you know, this last stretch has really proved that ever since we've gone to this you know, bigger starting lineup. It took him a couple games to gel. But ever since then, we've had multiple different players go off for, you know, 20, 20 points, basically. You know, Jamarcus Lawrence had 19-1 game. This game, it's Juwan Gary. Not your typical factors. It's not a Kasei Tominaga. It's not a C.J. Wiltshire just getting insanely hot. Bryce Williams is doing his double digits as he does every game. But, yeah, it's it's everybody. And the Huskers are, are peaking what it seems like at the right time. They're taking this easy last stretch of the Big Ten schedule. And really dominating these opponents, um, and and showing how good of a team this is, and how dominant they could be, and how tough a matchup they are for anybody, whether that's in the conference or if we're talking, you know, in the future, anybody in the NCAA tournament, possibly.
0: Yeah, Mike, I mean, this team can go really eight deep without any drop off. And I'm not sure there's many teams in the conference, let alone nationally, that could say that. And that effort is really spearheaded by a newly appointed bench god, Jamarcus Lawrence going for 11, four and two, four of six from the field, hits three of four from deep. In another double digit effort from Jamarcus Lawrence, Mike off the bench, his last two games, he has a stat line of 30, 10 and seven. And this is a real stat that I'm about to read you. Over the last two games, he is shooting 89% from beyond the arc. There's no going to be no drop-off there whatsoever.
1: Uh, just like C.J. Wilcher was shooting 60-something percent uh, earlier in the season. Definitely no uh, regression to the mean at all to come. But in all honesty, couldn't be happier for Jamarcus. We talked about, you know, leading up to these last couple episodes, or the last couple of games, I should say, how how tough is the season it's been. Obviously, he's kind of taken on this bench role, and it seems like he's really thrived in it. Uh, say it every game, you know, couldn't be happier for the guy and he's going to come out and hit three out of four threes and push the pace and distribute the ball and do all the things that we know he can do. Um, he looks like a totally different player. He looks like the Jim Marcus Lawrence. I
0: think a lot of people thought we were going to see at the start of the year, but better late than never is, is what I would say to that. Another very nice developmental piece off the bench. Uh, what has turned into a really, really, really nice rebounding effort here. Uh, rebounding trend from Josiah Allen, going for nine, eight and one going four of six from the field. Did miss his lone three point attempt, Mike. But his emergence over the last four games has really sparked this team in the run that they've been on both offensively and defensively. Over the last four games, he's shooting 61 percent from the field and averaging seven rebounds a game over the stretch.
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that seven rebound number. You know, we don't rely on Josiah a lot to to get points. And when he does score, it's huge for us. We love that. But the biggest thing that we needed help on just as a team overall is our rebounding. Um, this game, we out-rebounded by, you know, Minnesota by six, actually had one more offensive board than them. So won that battle. And a lot of that comes down to Josiah. His eight rebounds was huge. Three offensive rebounds. He had a couple of them very early on. And then, yeah, he's he's going inside and he's, he's drawn fouls uh and he's and he's making layups and you know those are added points you know you love to see him attempt his one three a game that he's allowed you know if he hits it you maybe give him another but yeah he's he's been really huge ever since he had you know a very very poor game his o for stat line what is that four or five games ago now he's really turned it on and i think as he goes kind of this team goes you know he gives a lot of energy and uh if he's playing at this high a level it's just it makes this team even that much harder to beat if we're securing rebounds and ending up possessions
0: Rick mast goes for 6, and two going three of 12 from the field went. 0 of three from deep, but Mike, even in a bad shooting night for Mast, he still adds six rebounds, a few assists, and he did still find six points from the line. And more importantly than anything, again, these things go overseen just because they're not posted, you know, on an ESPN box score. He led the team in plus minus at plus 24. And it's something that we've, we've kind of talked about multiple times this season. Now
1: is how good mast is at defending without fouling multiple times. Um, You know, if he's being our rim protector, he's really good at staying vertical and just going straight up to contest a shot. You know, he only got called for one foul this entire game against a team like Minnesota where their bigs are, you know, Feral Payne and Dawson Garcia are maybe two of their best players uh, and they're going to work you inside quite a bit. Uh, and so to be able to defend inside without fouling and make those tough shots that shows in that plus minus, you know, he really, really made it tough on the the bigs for Minnesota, and that shows up, you know, and with D- Dawson Garcia only having 10 points with five of those coming from the free throw line, and Payne having three points is all, going one for six from the field. So a lot of that goes to credit to, you know, Gary, Mast, and Alec, but, you know, as I said, good game by by Mast to, to defend inside and, and not draw fouls and not give him any opportunities to go to the free throw line.
0: Quiet night from our two sharpshooters. Mike as Tomonaga goes for six, two, and two, going two of seven from the field and missing all four of his three-point attempts. Wiltshire along the same lines, only recording a single assist, going zero of four from the field. Again, tough night from the sharpshooters, but it really almost stresses the versatility and scoring depth of this roster, even when our good shooters have an off night.
1: Yeah, you know, if if you're gonna win by fifteen plus, when uh, Kase and CJ go zero for beyond the arc that that speaks a lot you know to your offense first off that we still scored 73 but uh the, the defensive effort that this whole team gave you know holding Minnesota to 55 that's their season low it just goes to show like we talked about this last even the previous episode now and for this whole season Fred's been talking about if we want to be consistent and be a good team it starts on the defensive end and i don't know if the guys are finally starting to buy in or if they're just clicking right now with the the different lineups we're running but Something seems to be going right on the defensive end, and I wouldn't want to be an opposing offense
0: against the Huskers the way they're playing right now. And Mike, you mentioned the 55 points being Minnesota's season low. We also held Minnesota to 36% effective field goal percentage and 34% shooting from inside the arc from two. Those are all season lows from Minnesota. But what really shocked me when looking at the stats post game, the Gophers were second nationally heading into the game in assists per field goals made. Nebraska's defense held Minnesota to six assists for their entire game, when their previous low was thirteen. That is unheard of, and and you know sometimes you can
1: credit that to you know wide open guys just not making shots. But you go and look at the game, and Minnesota just did not have a lot of great looks. Their sets were muddy. They weren't getting good looks. They they were running through the shot clock most of the game. It seemed like they weren't getting easy open looks, and a lot of that goes to you know the whole the whole team on defense. Everybody locked in and. Uh, even in that first half, you know, it's twenty eight to twenty at half. Obviously our offense doesn't like scoring twenty eight points, but when you can hold another the the opposing team to twenty points and a half, that's pretty that's pretty darn incredible. It's gonna give you a great shot to, to win a game because I know our offense is too good to hold down and we saw that in the second half when they came out and scored forty five, which is something um, you know, we're much more used to seeing.
0: And Mike, over the last 10 games, Nebraska is sixth nationally in defensive efficiency, according to Bart Torvik. So this team really showing that they can win a game on both sides of the ball. But really neat stat, Mike. I'm sure a lot of the listeners who are on Twitter have heard this, but if you haven't already, this is the first time Nebraska has won four conference games by 15-plus since 1911 to 1912 in the Missouri Valley. That was 110 years ago. So I don't mean to steal your thunder there, Mike, but I can't believe that's a real number. Yeah, you know, you know, I love my historical references like that.
1: Just another another feather in the cap, right? We've talked about it multiple times. How historic this season has been, and it's just another another notch, you know, doing something that hasn't been done in a century. Pretty darn incredible, especially in a you know, people can say the Big Ten is down this year, but these are still power conference teams. Uh, there's no easy win. There's no easy out um, in any in any conference, but you know, let alone the Big Ten uh, with how physical the the games are. So. Uh, to to win four straight by 15 plus. I just, I get the feeling that this team is really, really hitting their stride right now. And it's coming at the perfect time here at the end of February, you know,
0: leading into March. Yeah, Mike, this team seems to be peaking at the right time right now. Some bracketologists have Nebraska all the way as high as even a seven seed I saw in one bracket, most hovering around the eight or nine range right now. But Fred stresses in the post game press conference, we have to stay focused. Well, I, I hope so, Robin, you know, we're not, Skipping ahead to March yet, we got uh, got to continue to take care of what's in front of us. I think we got one more game in February and you know I liked how we played last year in February, so you know just got to keep uh, keep going out there and, and playing uh, you know one game at a time, which you know, I know I use that stupid ass cliche a lot, but it's what it's all about, one game at a time, and hopefully we can uh, play a complete game at Ohio State on Thursday. Fred stresses one game at a time and so do we here on the Scarlet Shooter on podcast. But before we get into the Ohio State preview, let's hear what the viewers had to share on Twitter. So Husker fans, let's hear from you. But Mike, before we get into that, I believe you have a sponsor to share. I sure do. This segment, our
1: Twitter recap, is brought to you by Tax and Business Consultants. Tax Time is here, so trust the team that has taken stress out of taxes since 1961. Tax and Business, your one-stop shop for all things tax, bookkeeping, and payroll. Their offices are located in Blair, Columbus, and Lyons, so give them a call at 402-426-4144. Or visit their website at www.tbc.tax. That is T as in Tominaga, B as in Bryce Williams, and C as in cjwilcher.tax. Once again, that phone number is 402-426-4144. So give them a call and go big red.
0: As always, want to thank everybody over at Tax and Business Consultants for helping us out here on the podcast. Make sure everybody, you run over and give them a call or visit their website. Again, tbc.tax as tax season is rolling around. And we are right around the corner from getting all of those things taken care of. So, Mike, let's get into it. Starting it off with a very huge friend of the podcast, T3 Bracketology, chimes in and says, This team rocks. <laughs> And in a separate thread, I believe he said some along the lines of that he's kind of slowly becoming a Husker fan with their performance lately. So maybe wearing off on some people. And then following that up, Evan <laughs> Weekland says, genuinely feel 23-8 and eight coming. We are hot at the absolute perfect time. Now, again, we always talk about one game at a time, Mike. But if you had to put a number on it, what do you think the odds are of a 3-0 and finish?
1: You know, Ohio State, they're looking better since they, they got the, the the post-head coach fire bump going on right now, but maybe they'll come down to earth, you know, Rutgers and, and Michigan after that. But I've said even you know, a couple games before, I, I don't doubt this team closing out the season 5-0, and and that's before I saw them just absolutely demolish these last two teams the way they have. Uh, if I had to give it, if I had to put a number on it, though, you know, maybe somewhere around like a, it's still tough to win, you know, three straight games. Don't get me wrong, especially, you know, what the road was. We've had one conference when we got two road games. Still, I'd say somewhere in 35 to 40%, somewhere around there. I, th- I, th- I think this team's playing pretty darn well. And that number is going to get a big bump if they uh, pull out these, this next game over Ohio state.
0: And Nebraska is according to Bart Torvik projected to finish as a seven seed. If we do finish out the regular season on a three and O record. 402 Nation chimes in saying, in my opinion, a pretty big letdown spot, and this team handled it like a tournament team. Jason Palmer then says, dominated that game. Team is clicking on all cylinders right now, and that includes a couple guys struggling. And Mike, you can only imagine what this team would be looking like if CJ Wiltshire was still, not even 60%, obviously, but hovering around that 42, 43% three-point range over the last four games. We'd be winning these games by north of 2025.
1: There's it's been up and down season for a lot of guys, right? But the fact that this team has multiple guys that can can pull out you know all the stops you know we can we have multiple ways to win and we've seen that now um with different guys scoring and and team defense playing but yeah if if casey and and cj really start clicking um and our shooters start hitting shots. Look out! Because this team, I'm scared to imagine what this team would look like if those two start hitting at at a 40% clip beyond the arc. Yeah, our our average scoring would get a big bump. We'd be probably in the 80s if we're not, you know, touching
0: 90. If those guys start hitting some shots, Sam Hoiberg Fan Club says. Great win, and we are 2-0 after the Huskers play Sandstorm. They did, in fact, by the way, everybody, as everybody saw on Twitter when I posted it, uh, they did play Sandstorm last uh, last game, so that was obviously a very fun thing to take part in, as it always is. Uh, and you could tell there's a huge surge of momentum behind the Sandstorm thing, Mike, because when I tweeted that out, probably close to 60 seconds after it happened, I looked back at my phone quite literally two minutes later and it had four retweets and 20 some likes on it. So it's very, very passionate group of sandstorm people here listening to the podcast. So can't thank you guys enough for, again, making that become a reality through the podcast. And then Power Huskers says, 34th and Ken Palm after that win. Let's keep this thing rolling and pull something off in Columbus. And it's a lock. And Mike, I think I tend to have the train of thought that the Huskers can go up to Columbus and get a win against Ohio State, which would be a quad one as we sit here today. Hopefully it finishes that way. Uh, by the end of the season. I would like to think that Nebraska at that point can start uh, submitting vacation days because we should be in March.
1: Yeah, I would imagine you know getting a final quad one win, especially the way Ohio State's been playing recently. I feel a lot more confident that they'll stay there. I think they're mid-60s in the net right now, so they got a little bit of room uh, before we start talking about them dropping out of top 75, but yeah, I I think if they if they go out and they, they pull this one off, the Huskers are going to start playing. They're playing for seeding. Then I think I think they're in. I, I have no doubt in my mind that they'd be in at that point. It's just about where their seed is going to end up and, and what their first round matchup is going to look like, which is just such an exciting prospect to be talking about being able to to close out February with a chance to basically punch your ticket um, and not even have to worry about what goes on in those fr- last two games uh, of the regular season in March.
0: Really really exciting. Tim drum ghost says March madness soon, baby. And Connor Houston says great win at home with one of the best crowds of the year. Can't get complacent and we can't give any chance for the committee to turn us down. And again, folks, that's why we try our absolute best to stress one game at a time because in a Awful scenario, which I highly doubt happens, but in a scenario where we go 0 and 3, guys, we are right back on the bubble. But if we again, if we can get this win and take care of business, even a 1 and 2 finish, while it would be momentum killing, I think would be enough to get us to the dance. But you have got to stay focused, as Fred mentioned in the post game. Like we've said all season, one game at a time. That goes for
1: after the big wins and the and the rough losses. Just can't get high, can't get too high, can't get too low. Um, and I think this team's really showed that they seem to be really keyed in and locked in right now. I think they're not looking forward to anything. They know nothing's determined or given yet at this point. And if they come out like they have with that fire, these last four or five games now, um, I I see them having a great shot to win in Columbus.
0: Bob Rizak says, watched with family during my daughter's fifth birthday party. It was a great time and loved the toughness we showed as a team. Rough offensive start, but we overcame it with defense and hustle. Probably would have folded in the past after the start we had. And GBR 2306 says, not only was the result big, it gave me a feeling that we're primed to really make a run down the stretch. Better yet, it really got me thinking about what this program program can be long-term under Fred Hoiberg. And Mike, it's absolutely unbelievable. Nebraska over the past, I think it's like close to 40 games, has the second best record in the Big Ten. What we're seeing out of Fred Hoiberg and the amazing rebuild job of his own disaster, mind you, of his own disaster, the amazing rebuild job that he has done is something that I, you span any sport ever is remarkable. It's remarkable what he was able to do again, without a tenure change, you're talking about the same coach that was left for dead. I mean, I faintly remember I, I uh, when he came on to the Husker basketball show over the radio and you know, fans were calling in grilling him. I mean, the fact that we're to where we're at now is it's unbelievable. Had you told me, had you told me back then that, this team is gonna end up being in contention for a second place regular season finish in the Big Ten and is sitting in prime position to be maybe even an eight or nine seed in the NCAA tournament when we were sitting there in the you know prime of those McGallen seasons. I, I would have told you you're nuts. What a what a what a
1: turnaround in the last year, you know, ever since last February to now. Yeah. This has just looked like a a monster of a team. And you just talked about it right there. You know, we're we're have a chance to finish second in the Big Ten. I saw a stat that we're actually more likely now we're above 50% chance to finish in the top four uh, to, to get that double buy, which is just something I didn't expect in my wildest dreams for this season. I would have been, I think I said it in the preseason thing. I preseason episode, i had been ecstatic with like a top six finish. Uh, now we're talking b- above 50% chance to, to finish top four based on Ken Palm and, and all those projections. So super, super exciting. What a, what a turnaround, you know, we, we talk about coach of the year and I think, Obviously I'm a little biased. Maybe I think Fred's got to be the the go to there. but this this matchup against Minnesota, you know, Minnesota's pretty, pretty tough, tough team last year. Pretty, pretty rough shape. And um, they've had quite a bit of turnaround too. So just want to give credit there as well. But this turnaround from the Huskers, um, hopefully they keep the ball rolling. You know, it's it's one thing to do it with this team. Obviously, we saw it at the end of last season with last year's team, uh, in that February and that big run they started to go on. So Good to see it happen this year. Hopefully we can kind of make it into a more regular occurrence. Uh, and, and I couldn't be more excited about the future uh, of Nebraska basketball right now.
0: Thomas Strubing says Huskers outward gophers with a solid defensive effort holding them almost 20 points below their average shout out to Josiah Alec for his work on the boards and to Juwan Gary for a solid all around game. Andrew Urban says was was concerned of a letdown, but this team is just so good at pinnacle bank arena. We have a serious shot at a double buy in the big 10 tournament I'd expect votes in the AP poll too, which we did get some. I think it ended up being like 38th or something like that. uh, If you go by the numbers, team is fun to watch unselfish and has multiple guys that can beat you any given night. It seems like Fred has found the formula and Mike, I guess this would be a great time for us to talk about tiebreaker scenarios in the big 10. You talk about first tiebreaker being head-to-head. Well, when you look at teams that we're competing with, Northwestern, we were one-and-one with. Wisconsin, we are one-and-one with. So then you go into the second tiebreaker, which is then winning percentage against the leading team in the Big Ten. So let's look at Wisconsin. They still have yet to play Purdue twice. The first time they played them at the Kohl Center, they lost. And Northwestern is one-and-one against Purdue as well. Now, the scheduling worked to our favor in this one, Mike, because... We only played Purdue once, but when you're 1-0, your winning percentage is 100%. So, Wisconsin cannot beat us in a tiebreaker scenario, and Northwestern cannot beat us in a tiebreaker scenario because they've already lost both of them. And then we beat Michigan State head-to-head. So, we have tiebreakers over everybody that we're competing with for the double buy.
1: And I, like I just mentioned, you know, I think I saw something this week, a couple days ago, that it's now over 50% chance that they they finish in that top four spot, which is just just insane. Um, and as you mentioned, you know, the, maybe the schedule helps us out a little bit, having only one matchup against Purdue, but you could be on the other side of that. And if we lose that game, then we basically have no shot because, because you, that's your one opportunity. So just happy they could, you know, pull it out when, when they had the shot here in Lincoln and, and have that big upset. And now it might pay dividends down the stretch here. Uh, when we look at, you know, seating for the, for the conference tournament, because who said, who says no about making a run in the big Ten tourney at this point, I think they've shown that they can beat anybody. and that's when they weren't playing the the best basketball they have all season as they are now.
0: Motai 24 throws his signature statement, Nebraska ball dash tourney team. Nebraska cubby says deepest team in the league tend to agree on that front. And Nebraska ball nut says I've been waiting since the start of the Barry Collier days to see a team like this. We've had a couple high shooting players on teams before this, but this year we have a team that can all step up. Our confidence right now is unbelievable go big red. And Mike, I, you know, I can't speak a ton of the Barry Collier days. I think both of us may have been in like our early high school years when we were going through that uh that stretch of time, but I can't tell you this has got to be the most fun team that I've witnessed. I would even say that this is more fun than both the 2013-14 team and the 17-18 team because in the, in the the best way possible, you have no idea what's coming from this team.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's just the the variety and and the way this team is structured. Like I, I've said multiple times now, the way multiple guys can beat you. Um, so you know, yeah, you're you're spot on. You never know what's coming. When you get to get to a game, you're just hoping for a great defensive performance and then just trying to figure out who's going to go out uh, go off on offense for us, whether it's Rink Mast um, or or where wearing his you know Black History Month home jersey, home unis he typically goes off in, or in this game, Jawan Gary with a casual twenty. Uh, something 20 plus shooting four for seven from three, which she hasn't done all season. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's an exciting team, very fun team. And they play with a lot of grit and hustle. You know, I love watching the, watching the games and you get to hear the crowd get hyped when Josiah Alex diving on the floor to secure a rebound. It's the gritty plays and the stuff like that, you know, guys jumping out of bounds to save a ball. The crowd gets up for that just as much as they do for like a case A3. And and I think that just shows how much this crowd in this state loves this team and the way they play and what they bring every game.
0: McGowan Season says, the Hoyberg special of playing your best basketball at the end of the season, except we are 20 and 9 and not 9 and 20 in years past. <laughs> I actually kind of chuckled out loud at that one the first time I read it. So great comment there, McGowan Season. And then routing out, the winner of our sweatshirt giveaway, Jackson Cortina says, just enjoying the 20 wins, even though we have some work left to do in these last three before, after being a diehard for so long through some very low lows. It's awesome to finally see Nebraska ball, put it all together. A lot of ball left to play, but this is so much fun. And I want to emphasize, you know, a lot of people look forward to March and even the extremes are looking at, you know, what's coming back next year as we only have three seniors in Jerron Coleman, Josiah Alec, and Casey Tomonaga. I mean, but guys, a million things could happen going into next season, right? I mean, we could lose some players to the transfer portal. I mean, Bryce Williams and Matt, I mean, Mass could declare for you know the draft and go play overseas next year if he wanted to. I mean, God forbid, Fred Hoiberg could take some job that pops up in the NBA. You know, I mean, a million things can happen next year. It's just so, so important that what makes this team and seasons like this so fun is that number one, we're going to remember it forever, especially if we get into the tournament and win a game. But number two, this season's almost over. And how fun of a ride has this been, Mike, to just enjoy every single win? Obviously, the losses have sucked, but all the highs, the two court stormings this year, try to live in the present as best you possibly can would be my main emphasis to the fan base.
1: You know, couldn't be happier about the way this season's gone. Uh, so, so fun to just start this this year. Couldn't pick a better year to start a podcast about Nebraska basketball in, in all honesty. And it's, it's been an, an amazing season, a historic season. You talk about 20 wins. This is the only seventh time that Nebraska's gotten to that 20 win mark. Like it just, this is not something that happens regularly. Hopefully it becomes more regular in the future, but what uh, just a fun, fun season this has been. As you mentioned, obviously the losses suck and you can go back and listen to some of our, our post-game loss episodes uh, and the energy because you can definitely tell the energy is a little lower, but, those losses make you appreciate the the big wins, the Purdue's, the Wisconsin's. You know these this little run we're going on now. Um, and while the teams might not be the highest caliber to to come out and take care of business and show what attorney team's supposed to do, and see that it's just been it's just been an incredible season. And it sucks that it's coming to an end, but hopefully there can be a little bang at the end.
0: So I want to thank all of you again for sharing your thoughts on our post game tweet. I think we had North of 45 or 50 again. So I'm sorry if we didn't get to yours. We literally don't have enough time in the podcast to read all these, which is the best problem ever to have. And we're so thankful that. Uh, so many of our listeners tune in with their thoughts and it makes the show so much more fun when you do. And if you haven't, if you would like to partake in this side of the show, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Scarlet Shoot Pod. We post a tweet at the final buzzer of every game, win or loss asking the fans and viewers, what were your thoughts about X win or X loss? And we pick the best ones that we deem and read them on the show. And there's a chance if it's a Big Ten win, we give away a sweatshirt. So we'll be mailing out a sweatshirt to Jackson Cortina. That being said, let's get into the Ohio State breakdown on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Scarlet Shoot Around podcast. Okay, Mike, let's get into it. Ohio State. They are 16 and 12 on the year, 6 and 11 in conference. Ken Palm checking in at number 62 and Net checking in at number 66. for the Ohio State. Buckeyes. Again, this will be a Quad 1 road game for the Huskers Quad 2 home game for Ohio State. Ohio State is 13th currently in the Big Ten standings. Notable wins for them include number two Purdue at home, fresh off of uh, the head coaching change, 73 to 69. Number 20 Michigan State on the road, 60 to 57. And number seven Alabama earlier this year on a neutral floor, 92 to 81. Who, by the way, is tied for first in the SEC as we see here today. Notable losses for the Buckeyes include number 105, Indiana at home, 76 to 73. Number 109, Arch Rival, Michigan on the road, 73 to 65. And in this prior meeting, lost to Nebraska, number 34 on the road at PBA, 83 to 69. So Mike Kenpom overall again, 62nd nationally, ninth in conference. Offensively, 34th nationally, eighth in conference, defensively, one hundred six nationally and twelfth in conference. What pieces on this Buckeyes team stick out to you? when it comes to the buckeyes it's going to be you you can call it a big 3 but at the end of the day i think it's
1: a, it's a big 2 uh between Bryce Thor or Bruce Thornton excuse me and Jameson Battle and and those two guys where they go the team's going to go. Roddy Gale Jr is in there as well. All three of those guys averaging over 13 points a game um and then they have nobody after that averaging in the double digit- d- double digits. So as those three go specifically for me i think Thornton and Battle are the big 2 you have to key in on uh, and you talk about Jameson Battle you know he's shooting forty four percent from three, and this is coming as a power forward. So he's a guy that's going to stretch out your defense. We talk about Mast and what he does to defenses a lot. You kind of see that from Jameson Battle. Um, maybe not quite so much on the assist side, but uh, the way he can stretch out defenses and and kind of open up passing lanes and make things easier for others. That's something that um, you know I'd keep my eye on coming into this game. Other than that, you know, this team they they they're pretty good field uh, free throw shooting team. Excuse me. You know, third in conference. That's a that's a departure from the last couple of matchups we've had with some poor free throw shooting teams, and they don't turn the ball over very much. You know, fifth in conference in turnover, offensive turnover percent, fourth in offensive steal percent, um, fifth in offensive non steal turnover percent. So they take care of the ball relatively well, and and that's that's you know the Huskers aren't going to get a, a lot of chances to to rip the ball away. Um, and then get easy bucks or anything like that. Of note, their effective field goal percent is pretty low. And that's, I think, due to the fact that beyond battle, they're not a great three-point shooting team. They're 11th in conference. So that's going to drag down that effective field goal percent, only shooting 31.5% from three. So talk beyond battle and Thornton's shooting 31%. But beyond those two, there's really nobody shooting at a good rate with, with a, enough shots to to be significant. So. That's kind of what they're going to bring on offense a little bit. They're pretty slow as well, you know, 12th in conference and pace on offense.
0: Yeah, Bruce Thornton, Mike, as you mentioned, one of the big two is 6'2", sophomore averaging 16-3-4, shooting 43% from the field and 31% from three. Had a stat line of 16-3-6 in their prior game against the Cornhuskers here in PBA. He really a score first point guard, and he scored 20-plus points, three-plus assists, and four-plus rebounds in each of his last five games. So really starting to find a hot streak there is Bruce Thornton. Then Jameson Battle, as you mentioned on the other hand, a six-seven senior transfer from Minnesota, averaging 14-5 and 1, shooting 46% from the field and 44% from 3. He had 11-7 and 0 last time against the Cornhuskers very obviously their best three-point threat, and he is the third best three-point shooter in the conference at 46% in conference play alone. Roddy Gale then averaging 14-4-3, four and three, shooting 44% from the field, but a meager 27% from deep. Although, Mike, he had 6-4-8 and eight last time against the Huskers, so really a pass-first expedition from Roddy Gale in the last meeting of these two teams. More of an inside score he is, but he's second in the Big Ten in free throw percentage, so a little bit of an interesting key there, but Mike, as you mentioned, this is just not a great shooting team. They're 11th in the conference in three point percentage and eighth in the conference in two point percentage. You know they don't get to the free throw line much. They're 11th in conference at free throws attempted per field goals attempted. But when they do get there, they make them. As their third in conference in free throw make percentage. You know they take pretty good care of the ball. Fifth in conference in offensive turnover percentage and fourth in conference and 21st nationally in offensive steal percentage. So they make sure to take care of the ball and not give it away. And really, they kind of prefer to work the ball inside if possible with the pass or the dribble, but they have no problem. As you mentioned at the end of your statement, they're using the entire clock to find a shot as they're 12th in the conference in offensive tempo. But the scary thing for the Corn Oscars here, Mike, in my mind is that they will get an offensive rebound if they're given the chance They're 87th nationally and sixth in the conference. In offensive rebounding percentage. So again, you know, Fred and we here on the podcast always talk about the two keys: offensive rebounding and turnovers. You know, Ohio State's not going to turn the ball over much, and they will get an offensive rebound. So stylistically, that matchup might scare a guy a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I, th- I think you know, in their previous matchup, I had pointed out uh, Felix Opara as their as their starting center, pretty athletic. He's averaging seven rebounds a game. You talk about in the last matchup though, held him to one rebound and six points. So. Mastin Company did a pretty good job down low um, securing those boards and and will remains to be seen if they can take that on the road, you know, plus seven rebounding margin at PBA when they played Ohio State. We'll see if the guys can can take care of business um, in Columbus.
0: Felix Akpara, you know, a defensive first guy and a really good rebounder. He is second in the conference right now in block percentage and fifth in the conference in offensive rebounding. So definitely a guy that they'll have to key on on the glass down there. But Mike, when you talk about stylistic advantages, as you mentioned prior, this Ohio State team cannot—they cannot shoot the three to save their life. Jameson Battle, obviously, their best at forty-four percent, but outside of him, there is not a single player on this team north of thirty. 30- shooting from deep on the season. And that 37% is Scotty Middleton, who plays roughly, you know, seven, eight minutes a game. So amongst their starting five, hardly any three-point threats. So you expect Nebraska to allow quite a bit of threes and prevent any scoring inside if possible. But defensively, Mike, the Ohio State Buckeyes, they're, they're decent at defending inside. They're sixth in the conference and 56 nationally in two-point defense. But again, they can't, they cannot stop the three to absolutely save their life. They are 305th nationally and Dead last in the conference in three-point defense at 39.7% allowed as we sit here today. And they're not going to turn you much over on defense either, as they're 11th in the conference and 266 nationally in defensive turnover percentage, 10th in conference, 279th nationally in defensive steal percentage. So Huskers really shouldn't have to worry too much about Ohio State forcing the turnover issue. You know, again, they can rebound a little bit, but this plays perfectly into Nebraska's hands as Ohio State cannot defend the three to save their life.
1: I think you're spot on with that um, when it comes to defense, obviously. The one thing to note is they're third in defense and conference in, in three-point attempted per field goal attempted. So they're trying to run teams off to the three. They don't want to give up that shot for good reason when teams are shooting nearly 40% against them. So that'll that'll be something to watch. If, as long as the Huskers can can make the extra pass, swing the ball around and find the open guy, I think it's a great opportunity to punish the Buckeyes beyond the arc. And obviously the Huskers have the shooters to do it, whether that's uh, Tominaga or Wilcher. Uh, Jamarcus Lawrence, as we saw Gary in the last game, Bryce Williams, Rink Mast had 31 the last time these teams played. So, you know, we have we have enough shooters to hurt them there. And that's a, that's a big glaring hole when it comes to the Buckeyes defense.
0: And Mike, the Buckeyes do prevent good ball movement as they're 41st nationally and third in conference in defensive assists per field goal made at only 44.7%. So they try to make defenses or offenses work as hard as they can to get a shot. But again, as you mentioned, Rink Mast had an explosive game going for 30 plus last time these teams matched up. So looks like he may have a favorable advantage going up against Felix Oxpara and Zed Key, who we did not mention earlier is a 6'8 senior averaging 7'4 and 1", shooting 53% from the field and 33% 33%. From beyond the arc, he had seven, six, and one last time they played. And he's more of a post depth guy that can score a couple points, but mainly he's an inside guy in general. Elsewhere, deep on their bench, they have Dale Bonner, a six-two senior, averaging five-two and one, uh, shooting twenty-nine percent from three and thirty-one percent from the field. He is the guy that hit the game-winning shot against Michigan State, so shows that he maybe has a little bit of a clutching there. And Scotty Middleton, their six-seven freshman, shooting thirty-seven percent from beyond the arc. You know, a three-point shooting volume freshman who's seen an increase in minutes here over the past couple of games. So. Mike Kempom projects this one to a 74-73 Buckeyes win, and Bart Torvik projects a 72-71 to Ohio State Buckeyes win. So let's put this projected spread just a little bit higher than that at Ohio State minus one and a half. Where are you leaning? Well, first off, excuse me, I have a stat correction. Rick Mass had 34.
1: I said 31. He had 34 last time, a 34-point double-double. Um, so I'll just, I just want to correct myself on that quick. But I think the Huskers, you know, I mentioned it earlier in this episode, and multiple people on Twitter mentioned it. I think the Huskers are really – firing on all cylinders right now. Um, they got the the road wind monkey off their back against Indiana, so that's not really, I don't think that's weighing on them anymore, I wouldn't imagine. I think as far as this matchup goes, we mentioned Ohio State is very prone to the three, and that's something with the way that the Huskers spread the floor. We talk about a lot about rink mass getting the ball at the top of the key, and we can do that because we run a five-out offensive set, right? So we're prone to punish teams from beyond the arc, That's what this team wants to do. We want to shoot a lot of threes, and that, you know, we can see that every time we play, and we lead the lead the league in three points attempted per field goal attempted. So, um, I think that's a great matchup as far as that goes. The other thing that you know we always talk about is rebounding, and I think the way that this bigger starting lineup has rebounded in recent games and brought the defensive intensity, I think that there's a good chance that that's going to travel. And the the way that they've been playing, I think this team is really focused in, locked in, and I I think the Huskers are going to win outright. So I guess I'd be taking the one and a half points, but honestly, I think the Huskers are going to win this one. I got them winning 76 to 70.
0: Mike, I'm also going to take Nebraska in this one. I think the Buckeyes are going to be forced into three point shooting, which is their weakness as over the last two games, they shot 30% and 18% respectively from beyond the arc. Uh, Nebraska, who's first in the conference in three-point attempts, is playing the worst three-point defense in the conference, so you really can't draw up a better matchup when it comes to style in that respect. And Mike, Nebraska is just playing so confident right now. And I don't think there's any road pressure after that Indiana win. I think the team is going to be allowed to play freely, play together, and play to get a huge quad one victory to really seal up this resume. I've got the Huskers winning this one 81-73 to in Columbus. So that being said, we will get you out of here on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Scarlet Shootaround Podcast. Okay, Mike, we got a big one here this Thursday. And like I mentioned prior, this one can really button up the resume and really punch our ticket to get into the dance if we can get it done. Obviously, last
1: opportunity for a quad one win. Um, Records in Michigan after this aren't going to bring that opportunity. So uh, one last opportunity to improve the resume. It's really what it comes down to Win this one, I th- as I mentioned earlier, I think you're playing for seating at that point um, and hopefully finish the gate, finish the uh, season off strong, uh, not drop those last two or anything, but one game at a time, got to travel up to Columbus uh, against a team that's playing pretty well since they're getting the uh, post head coach fire bump uh, that a team does, but that can only last so many games. It's been three games now uh, remains to be seen if, if it'll last for a fourth one. So, um, I like the Husker's odds in this one, and, and I'm excited to watch Thursday.
0: I want to thank you all again for listening into this episode of the Scarlet Shootaround podcast. If you don't already, make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Pod, where we post all kinds of bracketology updates, injury updates, rumor updates, whatever might be worth sharing. Uh, make sure you follow us on there as well for the opportunity to get onto this middle section of our show, where we ask what your thoughts are on Instagram at Scarlet shoe pod as well, where we post any pictures correlating to the Nebraska basketball season and the podcast. And finally on YouTube at Scarlet shoe pod as well, where we post the YouTube version of our podcast on a day or two delay. So Mike, big one here in Columbus. Let's uh, hope that the boys can get it done and secure our tournament resume to get this thing across the finish line For myself, Blake and co-host Mike go big red.
1: Go Big Red, baby.